Whenever you're ready. And should I look there or anywhere? In situ. In situ. Yeah, it's uh, in situ. In situ. In situ. In situ. That is so good. In situ. In situ. In situ. In situ. Okay, so in situ. In situ is the name of the European platform for artistic creation in public space. Led by Lieu Public, we are based in Marseille, France. And in this podcast, you will hear the voices of our members who live and work all across Europe. Nature, social justice, cultural identity, digital spaces, communities, regeneration of places. Each episode will bring a specific topic of conversation between three of our members. A partner, an associate artist and an associate citizen. Uncommon Spaces is the name of our current project, and we welcome you to the Institute podcast. In this episode, we will discuss the topic of social justice. JJ Tetton is the associate citizen from Freedom Festival in Hull in the UK. Daniel Brown is our partner in this episode, is the artistic director of Norfolk and Norwich Festival in the UK. And Donica Rudy is the associate artist of Oda Teatri in Kosovo. This conversation was recorded remotely from behind our computers, so we asked all participants to start with a presentation of themselves, starting with our artist Donica Rudy. My name is Donika Rudi. I'm uh, an artist, uh, but also an organizer of a festival in Kosovo. I'm practically a composer of uh, instrumental music. So I started my career in that direction. But uh, as I was very interested into the sounds and uh, their textures and shapes and so on, I started uh, my studies in acousmatic music. So basically I work uh, with sounds, uh, with layers of sounds, and I'm uh, these years working on that direction uh, mostly. In public space, uh, if you ask me uh, what is my experience, and uh, I will say that uh, it's, it is something new, even though it has been few years that I'm part of uh, the Institute platform, and I'm happy uh, to be there and to discover the projects in this uh, field and to discover also my work and myself in this context as well. I'm Daniel Bryan. I'm the Artistic Director and Chief Executive Officer of the Norfolk and Norwich Festival. We're a festival that takes place each year um, in Norfolk. We, we say that we take place in, in Norwich, which is the city, and across Norfolk, which is the region. Um, the festival is a big multi-art form festival where we range from orchestras in traditional venues to a whole lot of practices on the streets and in the public spaces. Um, we're a member of in situ and uh, through that we engage with artists who are working in public space and that works very well for us because we're also a member of Without Walls which is a, an English network of outdoor arts as well. So um, the program comes together well with those two networks. My name is JJ Tatton. I'm the CEO of uh, an organisation called the Warren Youth Project. Uh, we're an independent, youth-led, grassroots charity of 40 years standing in the city of Hull 
in the north of England, uh, which is a city that faces a lot of socioeconomic challenges, has done down through the decades, continues to do so. And a lot of our cohort, which who are large in number, uh, ranging from ages 11 to 25, um, tend to be on the receiving end or the brunt of those socioeconomic challenges. A social uh, justice for me means uh, equality and acceptance of uh, diversity within the society, regardless of status, uh, gender, race, religion, and so on. So um, what I think in our modern society that we are living uh, today with this uh, advancement in technology and research in science in arts, we accept somehow in a way to happen uh, also the same in social segment. It's somehow natural to expect that from the society to be more inclusive, more understandable, and to embrace the difference, diversity, uh, and integrate this difference in our routine, including uh, our own creations. So uh, I think that uh, we as artists, but also as organizers, have a crucial role in this. Uh, together we can promote this, uh, this diversity and social change. So uh, in my work, uh, it is um, something very important, especially these years uh, and my engagement in relation with the uh, deaf community. I worked a lot uh, during these years and uh, I really try to involve the people with uh, disabilities in the creation process. It was uh, an invitation to share their stories and to include uh, their experiences in my work. Um, we worked together for the Lament of the Earth, but the real uh, beginning uh, started in uh, Pergine Festival uh, a few years ago when I had a workshop with the deaf community and uh, it was the first contact with this uh, community. And uh, we had a workshop and we discussed about the sounds and the way how they perceived the sounds of a city, everyday sounds uh, through their uh, eyes and uh, feelings and so on. So it was a very, very a deep connection with this community. And then I uh, gradually started to develop my, uh, the idea of uh, the Lament of the Earth, which took place as a premiere in a Hapu festival in Kosovo a few years uh, after. So it, I think uh, it is our duty somehow, our task also to invite. It's not only to create artistic creation uh, for that uh, special, specific community, but to include and to engage them in the whole process. This is my aim and this was my target and my uh, work that I'm doing these years. Denika is very good at, at listening to people and trying to incorporate their voice within the work um, and so this is possibly at the, the root of social justice if we i find it social justice is a difficult term but i, I if i think about it as fairness um, but then also you can extend it or push the definition to um, maybe putting putting right and imbalance so it's not only about being fair it's about uh, making right something that's wrong um, and then of course that that has big questions about who who holds the power to define what's right and what's wrong. Uh, and so I think talking to people is one way to address the, all of our understandings around this. In, in the art context, it becomes a, a real challenge, especially as, as presenters in, in terms of public art. 
there's there's clearly a question of who has ownership or the right to present something within a space and then and then who will listen but in in a bigger context in terms of our whole program across the festival um it, it's who, who is on the stage and who puts them on the stage and who who has the right to be on that stage and who's missing from the stage and i think an organization that's interested in social justice would be looking to address an imbalance and if we look at um the UK, obviously, we have some really uh, challenging work to do around race uh, and cultural difference, but also around socioeconomic background. Uh, the UK is a culture which is highly class stratified, um, and actually to address that within a festival is, is an interesting challenge, uh, and to think about how we are for the people and who the people are. So all, all of these things are, are super important. The way, the way we try to begin to address it at the festival, at the Norfolk and Norwich Festival, is that we have some program principles and these are things that we ask of every work that we put on, whether it's a, an orchestra on a stage or whether it's an outdoor work. We ask, um, is the work engaging with our program principles? And the, our first principle is around the changing nature of art. We don't think that we want to present just plays where people sit on seats or, or exhibitions in galleries. We think the world is changing. And part of this is about social justice and other people having their voices. We think audiences and participants want different ways of artistic practice to happen. And so when we program, we always ask, is this artist interested in doing something different in terms of challenging the traditions and the assumptions of their practice? So we always look at that. Because we're a festival, the second question we ask is about festival spirit. What is there something generous about the work that makes sense in a festival? And the third question that we ask of all the work in our festival is how it's addressing questions and challenges of a changing world. And at the moment, we define three challenges. The first is in environmental sustainability. The second is around place. This is particularly important in UK at the moment as we define our place in Europe, but also as some of the local politics talks about local places. And the third thing that we ask is how does this work uh, consider questions of diversity and difference? And that's really about how does it connect with those communities? And there's, there's different ways that we do that. Sometimes we're telling the story of that community, but, but I think the best work is when we engage that community to have their voice and we enable them. Um, so they, they, these are some of the sorts of things that we think about in as, when we think about social justice. And as I said, Donica's work has often asked the question of people and tried to, to raise their voice within the work. And I think this is where practice can be interesting, where we, as artists or as producers, we give agency to the communities that we want to work with or who want to work with us. Um, and we give them the opportunity to have their voice. Having said all of that, the, the big challenge is, of course, is the people that we don't reach. And th that is, of course, the massive problem because we're not reaching so many people. Um, and that, uh, that makes it very hard uh, when you think about how do we represent the voice of everybody. Um, so these are the questions that we think through. We definitely don't reach everybody. This is a problem and a challenge for us. Um, and we have to decide how we choose who we reach or if they come to us. So 
this is, I think, the, the biggest part of social justice within the arts is who we're representing. Largely what I was going to say about social justice has been touched on already by my contemporaries here. And uh, it is about access and, and, and power, uh, participation and voice. And we work with a group of young people uh, who are largely denied those things. Um, it's sort of an intrinsically subconsciously understood by the establishment that what they think doesn't really matter um, for numerous reasons, because it's not given credence because they lack life experience. I would argue the opposite. Also, because they don't vote, they tend not to vote in large numbers. So therefore, their participation and their views are not given credence because of that. Um, we argue that's because the system is so unremittingly crushing and, and, and grim uh, and actually not very democratic in this country, that that's why they don't vote. Uh, but ultimately, our, our organization is led entirely by young people. Uh, it has been since its founding. It was a reaction to young people not being taken seriously and not having their voices heard that gave rise to the founding of the Warren Youth Project in the first place in 1983. Um, it's about access to power. It's about being heard. Our young people are, are, are almost entirely ignored. They have very poor experiences of the structures in society which are supposed to be there to help them such as social workers, social services, the police, schools. Schools are one of the biggest barriers to them truly being heard. And when they come to us, they use the arts to do that. Um, they don't call it the arts. They just call it, we have a recording studio. We do a lot around spoken word. We do a lot around theatre and drama. We do a lot around traditional arts, as you might call them, uh, in terms of just writing and painting and expression. And then... They use that in a variety of different ways to talk about the issues that afflict them, mental health, unemployment, poor housing, um, lack of voice, um, lack of being taken seriously. And uh, when you consider that in actual fact, all the great progressions down through the years, all the great leaps forward have largely been driven by large numbers of young people. Uh, and unfortunately, also wars. So if you're good enough and old enough and experienced enough to go into battle, why is it you're not good enough and old enough to have input in everything else that society requires? And maybe if we did have that or facilitated that, we wouldn't have to go into battle at all. So it, it, it's social justice. It, it's not one I'm entirely comfortable with because I think it's more nuanced than that. You know, fascists look for social justice. You know, they think they've got a handle on social justice. It's about equality of opportunity to be heard. And the arts enables our young people to do that. And they've done it repeatedly down through the years. Only very recently, we have become an Arts Council England national portfolio organisation. Um, when we argued for years that we couldn't even be in the conversation in the city around the arts, even though we were involved in the arts before a lot of organisations in the city were even founded. But because we weren't funded by a large institution like Arts Council England, which is great to have, it just we just weren't invited into those conversations. So there's an example. Now we are invited into the conversation, and we haven't made the point yet, but we want to make the point, was why weren't we involved before? And touching on what Daniel said earlier, who aren't we involving now? Because you can be damn sure there's someone else who's being ignored. 
just because we're now suddenly listened to doesn't mean everything's fine. And I think there's an assumption on the part of some to do that too. Well, I've suddenly been heard. Ah, we've seemed to have addressed this. The conversation has started and they forget that there are others who are going unheard. JJ's right. And I think there's a really interesting uh, question uh, around arts funding. It might seem quite dry, but of course that's in, in our world, in our cultural world, there is a significant part of the power that relies heavily on the money and who the Arts Council invite around the table is extremely important. And JJ's right, at the moment, uh, it's fantastic that he has the funding now and is being invited around the table, but almost certainly there will be others. And, and also, we need to make sure that the invitations aren't um, token. It's, so it's how you embed some of these invitations to join the conversation, how you embed that so that they're there forever uh, and that becomes the challenge. And it is the sort of thing that we can explore through our work in the outdoor spaces. It's not only about telling the stories of a community or them sharing their stories. It's about how we continue the engagement with those people so that they then feel that they participate in our cultural life that we're, we're helping to offer. It's much more than just uh, bringing them to the table. It's about making sure that they continue to be part of the discussion for a long time to continue that, that sort of metaphor. Um, so the, the challenge in terms of organising the organisation is, is we've been lucky. We've had sort of two pots of money in our organisation to do two things. One is to do the festival and one is to engage with communities, in particular children and young people. And actually, in, for the last 10 years, those two pots of money have been kept separate, partially because the Arts Council asked us to keep them separate. What I'm excited about at the moment is that we have the possibility to bring them all together so that we're not just talking about the art on one's, one hand and the social engagement on the other. We're talking about a whole program that works together. And so our organisation has now has been structured so that everybody works on everything. We don't say there's the education officer or there's the outreach person. We say we're all going to work on these projects together and we have to, to do that. And I think it's important that we shift the structure of our organisations to do this. And that's, that's one of the things that we're doing. Um, in terms of good and bad examples, I, I, I'm like everybody else. Uh, I have put on shows which are you try to put on in a community, but you don't do the groundwork. You, you're not listening to the community. You haven't talked to them about what they want. And you've given them a show or something. And it, it hasn't hit the mark because you've put that in there. Um, I think we know that it works best when uh, we can place an artist with community, whether it's with a, a school community or a social group, where that artist is given time and permission to listen to that community, and then they build a project around it, uh, and that they can do something that the community is proud of, whether the community is participating in it or it's for the community. There's, there's lots of different ways to do it. A re really simple example is a, an artist called Andy Field and Becky Darlington, they have a project called News, 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 that they work with school children, and the school children develop their own uh, news program, a television news program, built on filming things that they think are news. And their news, uh, when they did it in Norwich, included uh, interviewing the mayor, but also talked about uh, important things on their street. You know, who, nobody was picking up the rubbish outside the school, those sorts of things. You give them permission to have the voice and to explore what they want. And that's when it works the best. It's really quite simple. Um, we're governed by an internal parliament. So Mikey Martins, who runs um, Freedom Festival, whatever young people want to do, we, we, have, 
you know, that they have to come up with themselves. And, and then we'll take that to Mikey and say, this is what they want. Uh, we have a creative committee of young people within our internal parliament. The internal parliament is called The Thing. It's named after the old Nordic parliament. Um, and uh, Mikey doesn't get to change it, um, but he doesn't have to accept it either, if you know what I mean. So it's a yes or a no. It's a very simple equation. And then we do it. We did uh, in, in this most recent festival, which was only a couple of weeks ago, um, we did a thing called Three Minute Monologues, whereby we supported young people to sit down and either structure it as structured as they liked or through a stream of consciousness, get down on paper what was what was important to them, what was bothering them, what 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 challenges they were experiencing. And then those writings were given to script writers to uh, fashion further and then perform by actors. So there were actually three stages to the creative process. Um, the only thing they're not allowed to do is change the theme. Uh, they can change some of the words if they want to, as long as it's with something similar. Um, and uh, it was mind-blowingly good. So a lot of our young people were in the audience knowing that their anonymity was protected, but they could identify themselves. So the creative in this sense is is the young person who initiates the process and the end product, if you want to call it that, uh, is is delivered by a creative who can become who's also a guardian in a sense of that voice. So I think it makes it even better because they have a responsibility to that young person. They don't have just a responsibility to the script. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's a community of young people wanting to be heard and they know this. So that makes it really powerful. So in terms of access to the festival, very simple, very straightforward. Mikey already knows we have democratic processes internally. Anything beyond that is whether or not it's um, it complements other things or, you, you know, it, that's, 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 we don't interfere with that. I don't even know what his processes are. You know, we leave them to their end and we have our end and that's it. And we haven't yet fallen out. And I think this is where it works really well, where cultural organisations can partner with other organisations who have expertise working with, in this case, children and young people. Uh, and, you know, then we have both the benefits of both sets of expertise. I think that one of the risks is, as cultural organisations, that we try to do it all, but it's much richer for us if we can find the partner organisations to work with. I will relate to what uh, Daniel and JJ very well explained and opened many topics uh, and we see how important it is to, to discuss all these matters with young uh, people and with uh, people with disabilities, uh, with community that I'm working with. Uh, it is very important to understand that the culture is not uh, only a form of uh, entertainment and it's not something that you go and just uh, watch and uh, listen. But uh, if we can, we as artists and organizers, make the bridges of uh, uh, connections and, um, and participation and engagement of this community into our works, that's what we want and that's what I want. This is my aim. This is something that I'm working uh, uh, with the cycle of Lament of the Earth. I started with one piece. Uh, I created one piece and uh, included the deaf community uh, and build the whole idea, the whole work uh, uh, through their experiences 
place. Uh, so we should use the community. We should use all these uh, uh, bits uh, to feed, uh, not in a bad sense, uh, in a good sense, to feed uh, the, the artistic creation and to have the, the doors open uh, for their engagement and not to create pieces for them. I think this is very different uh, to create for them and to engage the community. We as a society, I think uh, our task is to bring people together and to open the doors for the whole uh, uh, communities and people and, and so on. The, the question of what is cultural rights is, um, is a challenge. Uh, I, I also think challenge in terms of uh, use of English. But I would say that I believe everybody has the right to a cultural life. We know, because we work in the cultural sphere, that culture can be enriching in, in our world. It helps us see the world in different ways. It gives us fantastic different experiences. And I think everybody has the right to that. But we would be surprised, or we, we, sh we shouldn't be surprised, but we sometimes are, when we come across especially children and young people who haven't really had the opportunity to engage with cultural opportunities. And so I think when we think of cultural rights, I think it's, it's about us as uh, the gatekeepers, who uh, it's our, our role to try and reach everybody and ensure that their cultural life is as rich as possible. Um, I, I think there is this particular work around children and young people that we need to think about uh, from birth, through it, whether it's early years, all the way to, to study or to going into the workforce, how we think about the cultural journey of those people, of those children and young people, and how we can enrich it for them. And as JJ points out, how we listen to them uh, and so that we can help them have the experiences that they're interested in. So for, for me, this sort of comes to the nub of cultural rights. It, it's really the right of all of us to have that journey and those experiences uh, in, in the ways that are important and right for us. Daniel's correct. Everyone is entitled to a cultural life. But I don't think, uh, again, cultural rights is very, very difficult to define. Um, we can end up in a bit of a quagmire on that that ends up with nobody having any cultural life at all it's just consumed with deciding whose whose rights uh, uh, merits access to the arts or what i don't know it's complicated but what i do what one point i did want to say was it's not just simply a case of providing somebody with a, a, a cultural life uh, it, it's about the support to go with that and i'll give you an example of what i mean we take young people to cultural experiences we have a new project excuse my language but the project is called what the fuck is that uh, because young people um, uh, were saying that there's some things they've been to they just thought well what is that you know and we said that's okay you, you can you can call it that if you want so they did but we were going to a play one night we were taking a group of young people within that group of young people were a young couple neither of whom had ever been to the theater before now the theater is often associated with class in the sense even though some of the greatest works to de deconstruct the class system has come through theatre. It's still perceived by a, a lot of our cohort as something posh people, well-off people go to. And as we were approaching the theatre, everyone was keen to go. And as we were approaching the theatre, this young couple started to argue because the young man and this young couple 
felt really, really, really uncomfortable. He was stepping massively out of his comfort zone and it's it's it scared the bejesus out of him. And and they had a row. So they had this row on the street in front of everyone else who's queuing up to go into the theatre. And they parted. He went home. She came. But her experience was ruined, not because she was uh, um, without him, but because she sat there indignant and furious for the entirety of this play, uh, texting him, then getting into trouble with people around her who were saying, you're using your phone. They had no understanding of where she was coming from, that this was actually a massive, massive deal. So the whole thing was ruined. We, we should have worked harder. It wasn't, you can't just go, here's your tickets. Ta-da, that's it. It, we, we we should have worked harder in that instance to prepare that young couple for that step. It's not just about saying, there's your cultural life, away you go, enjoy yourself. They're not ready for it often. It, it can be a, a hugely overwhelming thing. It's a step out of the comfort zone. I remember myself going back to some of my own family and talking about poetry, and they were looking at me like I had three heads, you know. And and then I had this embarrassment and regret instantly that I ever mentioned it. You know what I mean? And I I think there's something about facilitating that cultural life. It's not just providing it. Rosalie Gonzalez and Wafa Mesbawi have been coordinating this podcast. And Jeanne Robet has been editing it. This podcast is co-founded by the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation. <laughs>